what is the pandemic doing to the food supply and food prices? Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief at Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, I speak with David Maloney, Executive Vice President of Analytics for AeroStream. We discuss the impact the coronavirus has had on the meat supply. Decreased production has led to considerably higher prices and challenges for some chains such as Wendy's in supplying fresh beef for the burgers, among other things. David discusses these issues and what's been causing them. He also discusses the potential long-term impact this era could have on the price of proteins. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with David Maloney. David, welcome to the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. So um, tell me a little bit, uh, uh, well, first off, we've had uh, a lot of talk about meat shortages and things like that. How is it uh, affecting the restaurant industry? Well, uh, restaurants obviously have had some sales challenges as a whole. So it's been spotty, depending on the customer. But um, as of late, customers have become more concerned or restaurants have become more concerned around their supplies and uh, particularly as states start to reopen dining. Mm-hmm. So do you, how do you expect, I mean, I, th- I think the thing that we've seen is um, a lot of, uh, a lot of concern has, well, a lot of restaurants have, um, in, you know, have seen steeply decline, steep declines in sales and, and uh, and that has uh, reduced the amount of demand, certainly from the restaurant side for for supplies. Is that changing at all? Because sales lately, um, as we're speaking in the last couple of weeks, they've spiked a little bit. Is has that changed at all? Or so, yes. So we went through this this period uh, initially where food service shut down and and the inventories got heavy. Um, last couple weeks uh, what we're seeing from our customers and the data moving through our system is that sales have improved considerably uh, and you know the supply chain short just just because of the volatility in the in the consumer and and sales right now Uh, now adding to that obviously are the plant issues but generally what we're hearing from our clients is that they do not anticipate any major interruptions generally at least that's what they're hearing from their suppliers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the question on some recent earnings calls was asked of of some companies, and and they all pretty much all said that they don't anticipate any break in their supplies. Um, you know, anecdotally, we hear some some tales of periodic issues of shortages and that sort of thing um, uh, at, you know, at certain burger concepts, but everybody seems to be at least publicly saying. That they haven't had any break in supplies yet. So, yeah, I'd say that's fair. Right. So um, I guess the, the 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 one of the concerns um, that I have actually tends to be more long term. Um, that uh, what we've seen happening uh, is we've a lot of um, you know we've seen uh, you know a, a lot of uh, uh, prices for for. Um, you know, for certain, uh, for cattle or, or whatnot have gone down. And, and uh, I get a little bit concerned about what might happen as, you know, if, if prices have gone down for that sort of thing because of 
some of these issues that we're seeing, then then we could see a more of a long term hit to supply. Is that is that a concern for the industry going forward? Definitely, and probably our our, our longer term our biggest concern. So, case in point, uh, we we've seen uh, prices for milk go from uh, class three milk, kind of the benchmark, from. Fifteen, sixteen dollars a hundred weight down to ten, eleven dollars a hundred weight. Uh, we've seen cattle go from uh, one twenty down to ninety, ninety-five cents. We've seen hogs plummet. We've seen um, broilers or chickens plummet. Um, so that is uh, pinching uh, animal producer margins. And it certainly does not provide the incentive for them to expand. If anything, it provides the incentive for them to contract their herds or flocks. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, so what? What does that do for the long term? I mean, the biggest concern I'd have with that is is with beef because you know, I mean, if if it just flat out takes a long time to to raise a cow to uh, to slaughter, whereas a chicken it doesn't take very long. I mean that. That tends to be my, you know, is that if if we start seeing, uh, you know, cattle ranchers to say, well, I'm just not going to raise that much, um, you know, what does that do to the long term supply of beef, or are there issues in in other proteins that are that are bigger? Well, uh, beef is king for the for the restaurant industry, so uh, beef uh, is certainly foremost what what we monitor, and so like like you said uh, the the cycle in in production and growing animals and getting that meat to the table or to the restaurant is is much longer for cattle than it is for hogs and even longer than it is for um, for chickens so uh, we were already in a mode where the herd was peaking coming out of uh, coming into this uh, the January one cattle herd was uh, you know slight down slightly from from prior year so we were in the expectation of tighter cattle supplies and we were in a loan uh, in 21 and 22 anyways and I, I think this could intensify it mm-hmm. so uh, you know tighter cattle supplies potentially smaller beef production um, you know at a time where the restaurant industry is coming back where the economy is coming back certainly is sets up for some inflation with beef prices mm-hmm do you think, I mean, I think if I recall, and you can remind me of, of um, how this worked, but I recall uh, coming out of the last recession that we ended up actually in in this commodity spike environment where commodities, the prices for commodities went up, um, you know, uh, coming, you know, even coming out, you know, after we started coming out of the recession, then you started yep. to see these commodity prices go up. And it caused some real problems for restaurant chains back then. Do you see a situ- similar situation where as we come out of the coronavirus, restaurant companies could start facing higher commodity prices? Well, uh, one, of the, one of the big impacts coming out of the last recession on commodities was a, a drought that mm-hmm. caused significantly tighter feed supplies. Right now, we don't see that. Uh, there's no indication of that. And so... Uh, I would expect at this point it won't be as intense, um, but it certainly uh, lessens the or lessens the margin of error, right? As we mm-hmm. go forward with crops and production. Mm-hmm. Right. So on 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 the other side of that, we have um, 
you know, I guess going back to the issue of um, the current situation and, you know, right now it seems like, you know, the, the, the meat production system, the supply chain ten, is, it tends to be, is, is, is coronavirus is really, really disrupting the production of, uh, you know, the processing of, of, of meat. And you're seeing a lot of these plants that are now having to take some steps to, um, to address some of the concerns that there is with, uh, you know, with how this disease is spreading through the workforce at places like the Smithfield plant in, in Sioux Falls. And, you know, I get, I guess the, the concern is, is that going to slow production down? Um, and could that have any, any, any impact? Or is that more of a short-term issue and you think it'll be fixed? So we, we have the short-term issue, uh, the very near-term issue mm-hmm. of, of the plants being closed uh, or ha- having stro- struggling having employees come in. So um, that those production levels, you know, are down 35% beef and pork down year on year. So, uh, but, but you're right, as the, as the industry is trying to make adjustments to make the employees feel safer, and part of that uh, might be um, some spacing out of employees with lowers efficiencies. Some of that might be uh, protective equipment, additional protective equipment they might be wearing that might slow down efficiencies. Um, so that is probably uh, going to be a, what I would say, a more medium to longer term issue, right, about, uh, about how efficient these plants can produce the meat. Mm-hmm. Right. So would that, uh, how would that, um, could that, how would that equate to, to prices? I mean, do you think that could end up driving prices up or not? Oh, it certainly should be supportive of prices. Mm-hmm. But I think that for some markets in particular, uh, that we're seeing spikes right now, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing that, that the worst of the decline in slaughter and the plant interruptions uh, either occurred last week uh, or will occur this week. Um, and so we would expect some relief in those prices in the coming weeks, uh, in those markets in the coming weeks. Uh, still relatively inflated, but, but um, we should expect some relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as medium term, as as we go out, that certainly will underpin the market. So we may not get the levels that, um, it, it, depending on how the food service industry comes back, we may not get the levels that the industry is uh, real excited about, let's say, like mm-hmm. the low, low bellies for bacon prices that we saw a month ago. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about how, I mean, how much has the the coronavirus changed sort of the 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 pricing environment on various commodities? So, I mean, we've seen changes in in you know rapid changes in in um, in pork costs and and certainly in beef costs. I mean, has it uh, I mean has it really been uh, how how much of how much of a how much of an influence has this been on on current commodity prices? Well, it's 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 been huge as far as volatility around the markets particularly that they that are important to food service um, you know we mentioned bellies just as pork bellies just a second ago which which are used to make bacon mm-hmm. um, you know uh, pork bellies uh, an average pork belly primal market will trade five-year average about a dollar 20 a pound uh, we had been around those levels pre-covid a little bit softer than that but um uh, as COVID hit, 
and bacon demand plummeted, we went down to 34 cents on bellies, a price we haven't seen in several years. Since then, and this is just over the last three weeks due to the plant interruptions, we've climbed back up into the 120s. So that is obviously some extreme volatility. Uh, another item would be uh, 50% beef trim that's used to mix into hamburger patties uh, and other beef products. Uh, a big item for QSR mm -hmm. in the restaurant industry. Uh, you know, we, we saw that market uh, fall from the 60 cent, 70 cent level uh, down into the 20s and is now at 250 a pound. So uh, the, the volatility in some of these markets has been extreme. Uh, you know, on, on the flip side of that, well, it's still seen extreme, but on the flip side of that, we've seen weakness in markets that, that are more targeted towards fine dining. So beef tenderloin that you cut your filet mignon from that doesn't have a whole lot of retail uh, appeal. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen prices very low generally for beef tenderloin. So it's it's been a... Uh, it's certainly been a, a roller coaster as far as the markets for food service. Mm -hmm. Could you explain why 50% beef trim is, is important for fast food restaurants? Yeah, sure. So, so, uh, and, and let me step back, not necessarily just fast food, but anybody mm -hmm. who has a, a, a big hamburger program, if you will. Uh, so uh, they will have uh, restaurant chains will typically have a spec on their burger uh, so to, con to control the consistency of the product. And so one of those specs will be the, the, the lean fat mixture of the, of the uh, burger patty. And so if you think you might look at a grocery store and see ground beef at 90-10 or 85-15, that's 85% lean, 15% fat. But what they do to make those hamburger patties is they buy, well, their processors will buy beef trim and mix those burgers. And the two biggest markets are 90% beef trim and 50% beef trim, but there's other markets in between. And they use those markets. Those markets primarily will dictate hamburger costs for the, for the, uh, for our clients. Mm -hmm. So, um, fifties is a big item. Uh, it is, uh, domestically sourced. Uh, so it relies very, heavily on domestic steer and heifer slaughter and so the interruptions around that have have greatly impacted supplies and and supported prices as i just mentioned mm -hmm. <laughs> and um why was the uh why was the 50s why was the 50 so volatile what, what 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 did that yeah so we've had you know beef production declines uh, as i mentioned last mm -hmm. week 35 percent most of that decline has been in the steer and heifer slaughter. And so steers and heifers are, are placed on feed for roughly 150 days before they come to slaughter. That's where we get our box beef from. Okay, the trim from that is usually a fatter trim, a fattier trim. So that's where a lot of our 50s come. So a lot of the steer and heifer slaughter has been down drastically over the last three weeks or so. And so the 50s market or the, the supply of 50s, 50% 50 beef trim is tightened considerably, and that's why those prices have shot higher. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, how do you, how does a restaurant operator or someone, how does a restaurant company sort of deal with this environment? It, it seems like 
you know, that's sort of, uh, you know, in, in really one of those challenges that you don't really think about too often. But I can't even fathom how you're going to try to weigh the commodity environment right now, um, you know, at a time when you don't even know where your sales are going to go. Sure. So we always encourage our customers, first and foremost, they need to ensure supply. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's step one. And uh, ensuring supply by constant communication uh, with your trading partners, uh, having access to near real-time data throughout the supply chain to see if inventories are moving, if purchase orders and, and deliveries are being made, are extremely important during this time. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the volatility in the prices, suppliers have a vested interest to, um, uh, and, and this has existed for numerous years, but suppliers and, and chains really do work well together in trying to protect risk for the restaurant industry and quite honestly protect risk for the suppliers. So there are programs to help mitigate some of these this price volatility and whether that's um, whether that's uh, looking at financial instruments, um, options and, and futures, whether that's looking at hedging it physically, meaning uh, potentially freezing some product, um, you know, the, the industry suppliers have done a good job working with the restaurant trains to try to mitigate that risk to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it, it's just, again, one, one of those issues that, um, you don't necessarily think about, but yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, I mean, this entire environment has been something, I mean, nobody has experienced anything like that unless you happen to have been around during the great depression or something like that which I don't think so. But, it, I mean, it just, it, I mean, nobody's been around anything anywhere close to this. And and um, and uh, and it, we didn't just see this with, you know, suddenly sales just fell off a cliff. But then we also saw sort of this spike kind of in mid-April where you saw suddenly, you know, a bunch of uh, people said, you know what, I've, I've got $1,200 in my pocket, I'm going to go to a restaurant. And then so we saw some, some, some recovery in sales that I don't think that a lot of operators even understood either and i think that it's just sort of messing with how everybody is trying to get things done these days and it, it just made everything sure. just that much more of a challenge are you seeing that for sure yeah and that's why it's so important i mentioned earlier about communicating with your trading partners and having access to to mm-hmm. near or real-time data of what's going on in your supply chain for sure you know and i would also offer that uh, the restaurant industry, at least from the stories we hear from our customers, it's been remarkable how creative they've been mm-hmm. uh, and how gritty they've been uh, of, of getting, uh, of trying to get the customer in their door. And, and I, I, and they've been very surprised. I mean, it's been a, a, a very, uh, they've been very much better conversations we've had with our clients over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So are they open to more ideas or how, how are you finding them? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I- any way that that they can um, help service their customers, keep their employees safe, keep their customers safe. Um, they can uh, work with their supply chain partners, understand what products moving through the supply chain and service their customers the best. Um, um, they are um, very open, very open and thriving, quite honestly. Mm hmm. Yeah. So how do you, um, 
like so let's let's just assume that um you know and while we're already in a recession right now um you know let's assume that this recessionary environment continues as the economy just slowly gets back on its feet um at that particular point you could start seeing some real pi- price consciousness and we're already starting to see some price consciousness on on the part of a lot of consumers and a lot of restaurant chains are mentioning that do you think uh, how do you, I mean, how do, should operators view the, you know, how the, should they view, you know, their supply chain in that terms, preparing for the prospect that they're going to probably have to run a lot of pricing deals in the future to get customers coming back? Yeah, all, all the more reason to be communicating with your uh, trading partners and to have visibility near, t- near time to real-time visibility and what inventories and products are moving in your supply chain. And then communicating that information back upstream to their suppliers and, and the food service distributors so they can act accordingly. Um, that will, will lower the cost of the product for all the parties involved and, and make it uh, enable the supply chain to react faster to, to um to limited time offers that uh, may be doing better than expected and to limited time offers that may be doing worse than expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see any opportunities in the market for certain operators? Well, you know, those that, that have had strong off-premise sales, and you know this, mm-hmm. uh, programs in front of this have done well, right? Uh, and um, I think that it is a an opportunity for those that don't to certainly uh, enhance their off-premise business, um, and and I think we're seeing that. You know, I think we're seeing that uh, uh, the reports last week from uh, Brinker mm-hmm. and how their off-premise sales have expanded. Uh, that I read in, in Restaurant Business were were very encouraging. And again, I, I think that just shows the the creativity and the grit of the industry. Yeah. which I just wouldn't underestimate over the next 18 months. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's, you know, I mean, really notable about the restaurant industry is that it's full of very creative people. I mean, and, yeah. and, um, and of course there are a lot of people that work in the industry and they all have a vested interest to keep, uh, you know, to, to, to stay in business. And, you know, I think that they've, you know, it's it's been actually really interesting to see exactly how much creativity you've seen in, you know, in this industry from turning restaurants into into grocery stores. I mean, you can buy a bottle, you can buy a gallon of milk from Panera Bread right now. And, um, <laughs> you know, things like that. You've seen, you know, people developing curbside services literally overnight to, to get at customers and, and things like that. And, um you know, it, you know, their ability to, um, you know, their, you know, that's, that's been an absolute strength and I think it's served them very well right now. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think it's hard not to, I think it's hard not to be, to be able to sustain yourself in the restaurant business in some form, if you're not creative and you don't have grit. And, and again, I, I, I was, rem- I've just been reminded of how beautiful that is over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what they do going forward and what kind of services last. And, and I'll really be interested to see if, if this sort of changes how, 
if 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 this does anything to change their product mix i mean can you see anything like that at all i mean where where restaurants really start rethinking exactly what their product mix is at all or you know that they maybe start shifting to different types of products because consumers have just been very different um than they had been before yeah for sure i mean in, in some cases they they may have to adjust their product mix as as they reopen just due mm-hmm. to the supply chain the way it exists today but but even for those who've had strong off-premise sales as they reopen dine-in, I'm sure, you know, it may impact the product mix just on what customers are more likely to eat dine-in as opposed to off-premise. Mm-hmm. I mean, certain foods travel better than others, right? Um, and so I think that the industry was already looking at ways to enhance food quality with off-premise sales, and I think that will escalate even more so in the, uh, in the coming months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, uh, it's really going to be fascinating, sir, to, to, to watch how all of this unfolds and, and, uh, it would, you know, I mean, the, the thing that's been, um, like if I'm, if I'm an operator, you know, I'm definitely looking at what's happened in the past few weeks and I'm, I have a lot more faith in, in a potential recovery because I mean, the, the amount of, I mean, pretty much everywhere I've gone this weekend it has it, that has had a drive-through has had a fairly long line in it. Um, in fact, I just published a story just now on on uh, drive-through restaurants, um, or you know, on on drive-through restaurants, and I talked to a three-unit operator of a barbecue chain that basically created a, a drive-through in his parking lot and generated pretty much all of their pre-coronavirus sales that way. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and so you've seen just again a, a ton of situations like that, and um, you know it's been it's been a pleasure to see. And the fact of the matter is, and I think one one thing that's become clear during this entire process, especially looking at some of the shortages that we've seen at grocery stores and the challenges that that industry has had, is that the restaurant industry has sort of evolved to become a major part of how consumers eat in the United States, and yep. we really need restaurants to to be up and running simply because. I don't think, uh, I don't, um, you know, unless we're going to build a lot, you know, completely shift the supply chain and, and build more grocery stores, I don't think they can handle it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't underestimate uh, those of us who are working from home now, too, and are looking forward <laughs> to getting out of the house, right, as we go forward. Yeah, you know, sometimes I just put a mask on and leave the house and go to the grocery store simply in order to a restaurant simply because I want to leave. But, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, sir, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you joining us this week on the podcast. Jonathan, it was my pleasure. You're doing a great job. And that's it for this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, which, as always, was edited by Christine Cawthon. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and find them on TuneIn Radio or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business Magazine, your host and the podcast producer. Thank you for listening. 